Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Andrew, an autistic certified financial planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, everyone. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. And I think uh, today, our intro, we kind of changed that with somebody being a bit inspirational. Um, Today, we have with us Joe Barksdale. Hey, Joe. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, Joe's a singer, songwriter, producer. His unique sound smoothly blends aspects from from blues, soul, jazz, rock, and more, creating an immersive experience at once from upbeat and up close and personal, a captivating world spreading a message of love and unity, harmoniously uniting people through music. All-American honors as a CASS Technical High School lineman led Joe to a scholarship offers and acceptance of Louisiana State University's offer, and hence by its engineering program. After starting on LSU's 2008 NCAA championship team, he played with the Raiders, Rams, Chargers, and Cardinals, concluding an eight-year NFL run. Barksdale hung up his cleats in 2019 to pursue music full-time settling in Austin, Texas with his wife, Brianna, and two young daughters. Hey, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we start our podcast by asking our guests how they like to identify. Um, but what I mean by that is, you know, some people prefer to be referred to as a person with autism and other people prefer uh, autistic person. So if you have any preference here, uh, let us know. No, I don't. So... Joe, you mentioned that you, you know, were depressed for over, you know, 20 years, but that you were also undiagnosed autistic. When were you diagnosed? How long ago? And what was that process like? It was three years ago. Um, Process was, my therapist works with other um, autistic clients, patients, but um, she saw a lot of... uh, she had been observing me at this point for three years and she saw a lot of similarities on top of the thing we were talking about that day. I told her, we talked about like, you know, why I don't like being around people. And I told her, like, I feel like I'm always acting like who I'm supposed to be and not like who I am. And I feel like one day someone's going to realize, you know, I'm not like everybody else. And that was what kind of opened up the doors for that conversation. It led to her referring me to an autism specialist whose name I am blanking on right now. Uh, but that's uh, that was the process that led to my diagnosis. And what impact, if any, did uh, learning you were autistic uh, have on your depression? How much of your depression do you think was due to to being uh, undiagnosed? That's a good question. I never thought about that um, because I think it all works together. Um, Are you happier now than you were three years ago? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, um, but you know, I'm taking steps, meeting with a therapist, I'm on medication, I meet with a psychiatrist, uh, journaling, exercising, you know, doing all those things. Um, but yeah, the, I think some of it, like some of the mental illness is biological. So I think some of it was just in the cards. And then, um, yeah, there were definitely, I'm sure that there are definitely life situations, um, you know, that were drastically affected because of the autism and that kind of thing. And I'm sure some of it in some way led to, you know, um, 
some form of mental illness in me, but I think it's hard to separate the two, if that makes sense. Yeah. And do you think music has helped you um, with feeling less depressed in any way? No. <laughs> Either. <laughs> I mean, and that's not to say that music doesn't make me happy. I mean, my kids make me happy. My wife makes me happy. Um, I do comedy. Uh, I'm a comedian. Hearing people laugh makes me happy. Um, but I would look at it like being in any other kind of pain. Like, you know, you, you just, <laughs> you're just in pain and you just kind of get used to it. And there's just always this numb ache in the background, but you do your best to push through it. And, you know, that was kind of depressing, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, man, from your intro, it's so uplifting, you know? So you know, that's but... why it's so uplifting. The person that wrote it knows me. No, I'm just <laughs> going downhill from here, guys. No, but yeah. I mean, that's just the honest truth. You know, no, that's, that's what we want. We appreciate it. Um, is there anything so it seems like since 2019 was when you left the NFL, like was the autism diagnosis, did that shape any part in your professional career the last three years or all that? Or is Oh, it no, no, no. I was diagnosed after I retired. Oh, after you retired? Okay. But it did, like, it, it, it definitely explained a lot, like why I hated working with teams and like, a lot, it definitely explained a lot of the issues that I was having, not just in the NFL, but with people in general, but definitely like within my job too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think about like why I even got into football in the first place. Um, I was at an engineering camp <clears throat> and this kid was saying something. He was being sarcastic. I thought he was being serious. And I thought people who say things that stupid should be slapped. And before I could tell myself not to slap him, I was already slapping him. <laughs> but it was a joke, you know, and he like stood up and starts flipping over tables, punching computers. And we both got kicked out, but only one of us left with a bill. So. Thankfully, that wasn't me because I didn't break any computers. But if we had known I was autistic back then, I would have never got kicked out of that camp. And getting kicked out of the camp is what got me into football because I needed something to do over the summer uh, to stay out of trouble. And I was like, maybe I can try to get in shape playing football. So something that almost nobody knows about me um, and almost nobody believes is I played two years of Pop Warner football, right? Um, Why don't and they that? What? Why don't people believe that? I mean, I'm not an athletic person. I'm short. But you said you played two years in Pop Warner football, not 20 years in the league. Like, it's very <laughs> it's believable. Still, I've told some close friends, and they thought it's, like, the most hilarious thing I've ever told them if, if they know me. Like, I'm, like, the computer geek and, you know. Yeah. So even the thought of me playing at all is apparently that amusing. But um, That was me at the beginning of playing football, though. Like that was, I mean, I was an engineering camp. I'm a computer geek too. Like, so, um, maybe so that's what's unbelievable for me. It, it, so, are, is there anything that it, I'm, I'm gonna tell a quick story then ask a question? So, I were, I have very, this is personal, but in a funny way, I have very hairy legs, like, you know, James, but like super hairy, you know, like my dad looks like he's, you know, shirt off, you know, it looks like he has a shirt when he doesn't, like, I'm the same. So at like 13, you know, you have a bunch of boys, but you know, football, and they're all making fun of me because they're just going to make fun of people for anything, right? It's like what they do. It didn't matter what it was. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, logically, if they're making fun of me because my legs are hairy, right? Then what I should do is I should shave my legs. 
And if you want to get made fun of more by a football team for having hairy legs, shaving your legs is a surefire way for them to make fun of you even more. So that 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 did happen to me. That that that's my football story. But um, do you have it? <laughs> you said I'm you like, didn't like. You shouldn't be mad about someone shaving their legs. If women can shave their legs because they don't want hair on them, why can't dudes? I mean, they were making fun of me for my legs being hairy in the first place, right? They were just yeah. going to, you know, I think a lot of it is picking on people because that's just kind of like. It just like, doesn't make sense to me. Well, didn't make sense to me either. Um, do you have any stories like that? Not, a, you know, it doesn't have to be about your legs, but, you know, of just. Uh, uh, just kids in general in middle school? No, or, the uh, you know, football team and, you know, just something, uh, you know, where. I don't know. Maybe you were, you know, a bit different or something like that. Uh, pretty much every day. I mean, I never saw. Like there would be this thing. There were coaches that always said that I would think too much, but there would be this thing called like, you know, I mean, you know, you block, you're blocking somebody. Coaches want you to block somebody and like dump them into the ground and try to break their legs. And I'm like, if the dude's blocked and he's not making the play, that should be that's good. Right. You know? Um, so it was always looked at as like a lack of, a lack of effort from my part, but in actuality, it was like the job is done. Logically, if I'm going to be on this field for 70 more snaps, there's no need for me to expend all my energy on snap number three, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, like it's, I would say just being a free a, a person that saw things logically in general, you know, did not bode well for me in football. Like, We'd be going out to practice. I'm like, hey, coach, uh, you, you see the heat advisory warning this morning? You know, like, yeah, I saw it. We're going to go out there still. <laughs> okay, well, that, that sounds illegal. Somebody shut him up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those kind of things. Um, just things that just never made sense to me. It never made sense to me why people, even as a professional athlete, because I never watch sports. I don't watch sports. Um, and even as a professional athlete, it never made sense to me why sports matter so much to people. Just because, like, Sports are fine, not finite. If sports are going to be infinite, then they don't matter. If there's going to be a champion next year, does this one matter just as much as next year's will, which will matter just as much as the last one before this one? So I don't understand how you could base so much of your life and hope and emotions off of something that's so random and unstable. I don't know. So then what did you like about football? It was a way out of my economic situation. That's fair. Yeah, I was poor uh, before I played. And yeah, it was it was the quickest way. I mean, even my thought was like, even if I'm making league minimum, I'll probably make more than like my dad will make in 10 years, you know. Um, so yeah, that, that, it, it was the money. Like, it was... <laughs> It was the money from the beginning. I remember my first time like running and I'm um, thinking to myself, like, I'm not running for free. You know, I'm gonna get paid to do this eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'll be damned, like, you know, but <laughs> but these were thoughts I had. Not to mention, you know, when I first started playing football, in my mind, my life as an engineer was over. So, and two, like I was always a bigger kid and, you know, a little bit more expensive than a regular kid, I guess. Uh, to clothe, feed, transport, these kinds of things. 
And um, my parents would always make me feel like, you know, they would always tell me like, you need to be rich when you grow up because if you don't, your life is going to be terrible because you are so expensive. And they made me feel like a burden. And like football was the first time that I was somewhere. I said, yeah, football was the first time I was somewhere where people were actually happy to see me and not like, oh my God. <sighs> you know, like the kids plus size clothes are upstairs, man, Jesus. Or like even, you know, your own parents are like, oh my God, you cost so much money. So it was really cool to see like a group of people like, hey, you know, happy to see you here, even though you suck at football right now. Like, <laughs> um, cause I was really bad when I started, but I got better. I love your your honesty. It's uh, it's very cool to hear someone talk about football this way. Uh, what uh what inspired you to to leave the NFL? Was it because uh you finally had enough money uh, to do what you loved? And why did you choose music instead of engineering? <laughs> I'll start with that last question first because uh, you don't need a degree <laughs> to do music. I was not trying to. As much as I love school, like I realized at that point in time, like, I got a wife and kids. I'm not trying to. Hey guys, I'll be back. I'm going to class. You know, like I'm not trying to do that. Um, so I, that was part of. That was a big part of the reason with the engineering. I just was. I'm, I'm done with. Anyway, um, I was at a game. We were playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think part of my disillusion with sports is too is like I was always on losing teams. Um, you know, like we never went to the playoffs, these kind of things. So it's not like it was a great experience either. Um, but I remember we were listening to the Kansas City Chiefs and I was thinking to myself about, you know, there's a fifth, there's two 53 man rosters teams, plus the coaching staff, plus the people who work in the front office, plus the training staff, plus the weight room staff, plus, you know, the, the general manager, the, you know, a lot of people out here coming together to sell out this arena, you know, what, eight times a year. And then I looked up and saw there was an ad for a Taylor Swift concert, which was sold out already in the same arena three days in a row. And I'm like, well, that's significant. It takes all these people to sell this thing out once. She does it three times with just herself. You know, like you've seen football ads where they got to, you know, show you 18 different team members and highlights and all that other kind of stuff as opposed to just, you know, being who you are and people coming out. Shit, more people coming out because it's three consecutive as opposed to just one. Um, but I really started thinking about, like, what I was doing with my life and the significance that I was lacked, that I felt that I lacked, you know? So does music give you that significance you were looking for? Not yet. No, I'm just playing. I would say... I would say it's a piece of the puzzle for sure. Uh, and I'm not saying a piece of the puzzle because of the autism thing, but. Uh, <laughs> we didn't think you, you were, okay. but, but now I we think a lot of dad right? <laughs> But I, I think it's a piece of the puzzle. I think that, um, you know, these kind of conversations are part of the things that help me feel more significant. Um, like I said, you know, there's the comedy too, being a dad, being a husband. You know, all these things, I think they work together for significance. Uh, but music is definitely a factor in that equation, for sure. And you talked about being, <clears throat> sorry, and you talked about being a dad. You have two girls. I have two uh, young girls, too. Um, so to how, old are, how old are yours? Uh, no, what did you say? I said, we need to go drink together. And I was like, we, we, I'm, yes. I'm just <laughs> no, that's what we need to go do. <laughs> I can't say no to my kids. My, uh, my girls are three and five. 
Yeah, so mine's four and a half in like, you know, like six months. Oh, yeah, no, I, I can't say no either. Like, oh. it, it's bad, you know? Your wife's looking at you like, what are you doing filing for this? You tell her no. I will. <laughs> okay, that's what we're married for. Like, <laughs> but yeah. So, but um, do you, so you already had both your kids or close to it when you were diagnosed? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had them both. What, you know, if any thoughts, you know, how did the diagnosis, you know, change, you know, anything, you know, about, you know, you affect on, you know, being a parent, anything you want to share about that? Biggest thing it did for me was just making me more comfortable with my stems um, and just repetitive movements in general before I would be like, you know, what the hell is wrong with me? People can't see this, that kind of thing. Um, what, what are um, your stems? Uh, I bob my head a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot um making noises like with my mouth so that one's you know um rubbing my uh, palms with my fingertips those are the three main ones um but yeah so so the diagnosis helped you like accept who you are a bit more which allows you to be a better parent right i think it more kind of told me who i was and i would say the emotional the emotional intelligence that has come from, you know, learning that I'm autistic. And this is one of the reasons I don't understand emotions and I need to put in extra work to understand emotions. You know, I think that learning so much about emotions has helped me become a better parent. Um, so autism didn't directly, but in a, you know, adjacent, it did. Do your kids know about your diagnosis? Is that something you talk about with your family? I mean... I would say they're like they're both still too young I would think I think the five-year-old's close because she's gonna be in kindergarten next year but like the other one's three she's still right. she thinks that half the you know like they were in the bath the other day and I was so the dog we have dogs we have two Doberman sometimes when our female dog barks because I do a really good job of imitating sounds so one time when our female dog and I can't help myself what is it called echolalia but when the female dog barks I will just bark consistently and one day Kennedy who's the older one she's like mommy why is daddy barking like a dog and mom's like well sweetie daddy is autistic and that means that you know there are different spectrums and I just walked away on that conversation because I'm like I went to you a little older to break it down no. <laughs> but you know we are introducing it just in terms of like the concept of autism and like not everyone is like you and that kind of thing um so yeah yes and no that was a terrible answer <laughs> it's good I have a, I have two boys. You guys have two girls. I have two boys, and uh, I'm on the spectrum. My two kids are too, and uh, my my youngest is verbal, but my oldest is nonverbal. But you know, started talking about my autism, and you know, explaining that there is a wide variety of um, experiences. Like my oldest is nonverbal, and I'm here and I'm talking, and I have kids, and it's uh, I think it's good for kids to to learn about it from a from a young age five I think is when we started really talking about it with my kiddo um would you say that uh your autism diagnosis is a reason to work harder on yourself I don't know about saying it's a reason to work harder on yourself but I will say it's not an excuse to be an asshole um but that that, that being said there are times where you may look like an asshole you know, like when I was a kid, my mom would shop at this store called Lane Bryant. We would be in Lane Bryant so much. I thought this was the only place that they made women's clothing. I didn't realize that it was a women's big and tall store. And that's why I was <laughs> quiet because there was so much shame. Like, it's, 
And so, you know, one day we just walk in and I'm like, hey, is this the only place that makes female clothes? We come here a lot. And like, why are the dresses so big? And like, why is everybody looking so surprised, right? So you look like an asshole. Cause I'm like, mom, let me find you a dress. What size do you wear? Oh, this is an 18. This is definitely too small. Like just loud, you know, but you sound like an asshole, but you're not. You're just in your mind trying to help, you know? So I do think that there are times like that um, where you could, it could come across that way, but you're right. Just to walk around and, you know, cuss somebody out and be like, I'm autistic and walk away. Like, that's not acceptable. <laughs> you know, that's not decent. You want somebody, you wouldn't, even if you are, you wouldn't want an autistic person doing that to you. Like, shut the fuck up. I'm autistic. Like, you still, we still got a box. I'm autistic too. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm on the spectrum. You're about to be on the floor. Okay. I'm <laughs> so, um, do you have any advice for, you know, young autistic dads, right? Other than it sounds like you can't say no and <laughs> you should probably drink. Um, do, do, you have any, do, you have any, do you have any wholesome advice for? On a serious note, I would say that, um, I know this is gonna sound very cliche, but I do think self-care is important. I think that sometimes people don't realize that they need it until after they get it. And by that time, you know, it's not too late, but it's like, think about all the things and the situations that could have been better if you had been a little bit more relaxed. I would say patience is a part of it too, just because, you know, I can't put myself in other people's shoes unless I've been through exactly what's happening, you know? Um, and, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself that like I was a kid at once and I didn't know everything that I know now. And I know that that's, you know, something that, you should work on, you know, I, I would say, I'm saying this as if I'm saying it to a, a young autistic dad, that's something that you should work on too. Um, I think that you should figure out like who you are so that you can be consistent for your kid. I think that's important. Um, unstable childhoods are not fun. I think it's good advice for all parents out there. Yeah, and something that, you know, we've learned and that is just, reiterating something that you've said is if I'm not doing that well and I'm you know not feeling that well you know anxiety or just whatever's going on it's better to take the time to then come back and be better and present versus hang around all weekend and and I I mean and not being like good time right mm -hmm. it's better to and I'll say at least for me and I think that's what you were saying too that that was the hardest like I, I wanted to be there but it, at the end it's better take that hour or two like you know and then come back in a good place for sit around all weekend and just you know snapping or something right and i mean when you think about it 10 good minutes are better than 60 bad ones or 60 tense ones because like there's times i would just rather my parents not been around if you're gonna be around boy you lucky we take care of you like I, i'm not your boss why are you going off on me you know like making your kid you know feel that way um but i do think that yeah like I, I i don't i don't know i know that there are a lot of books written on a lot of things but there if there was a like a one size fits all manual to parenting it would be the bestseller you know um there isn't and i think the part of parenting too is just realizing that like hey this parent may be able to be around their kids for six hours straight this parent may not you know like those kind of things too and that's what i mean when i say like just coming to terms with who you are like i can't i can't handle poop like at all, you know, potty training has been terrible for me. Daddy, come look at this. It's pooping. Oh my God. Mm. 
can you help me why oh my where's mom like but you know we know that like i cannot handle poop but there are other things that i can do that you know make up for that i'm not about to write a book about how to handle poop as a parent but i say that to say we all have our own individual journeys and i think that part of it is just realizing what works for you and your family and not trying to base everything on like a consensus or you know something you saw online so i want to i want to ask you a question about something called the mark twain prize for american humor what oh, is yeah. it That's how do you great. get it why do you want it <laughs> tell us about it um mark twain prize for american humor i'm not going to do it a disservice let me look up the definition i mean it's pretty much like the hall of fame of comedy um winning the mark twain prize for american humor means like you know you are a pretty much like a comedic voice of a generation it's like the you know just like getting inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame um a lot of my heroes have won that prize um i want to win that prize now i will say i do understand that a lot of the reason i do want to win that prize comes from deep-seated childhood emotional issues revolving like never feeling like you're good enough and trying to get affirmation from strangers but still I want to win that prize too because I want to be known as the best. Like I want people to say that like I took comedy in a different direction and like brought awareness to, you know, topics or was able to tackle topics that most people are too afraid to touch with ease and grace and humor um and intelligence. But yeah, I mean I it's very vain but I want to be eternal. I want to be remembered. Who doesn't want to be remembered? <laughs> And if you're going to be remembered, I would want to be remembered for being great, not for being terrible. You said you want to be remembered for being great. Great at what? Great at, you know, football, everything music, being life, just being, you know, like the best at everything you do. Everything that I spend serious time in. So right now that's music and comedy. Yeah. I would say I put serious time into both of those. Um, yeah, I want to be um, undeniably good because I never have been before. Hmm. You know, it comes a point in time in your life where you're tired of just being in the top five or the top 10, you know, you want to be the guy. I want to be the guy. But so at the same time, like you're, you know, by, by most measures, you know, very successful. A lot of people can never play in the NFL, no matter how hard they try. You know, I can't, you know, sing to save, I mean, my life by the way, like, you know, like literally like the worst, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, like that American Idol dude who was like doing it as a joke, but worse. Um, so, but what can you say for people, but the best is relative, right? For somebody else who thinks think like, I'm man, the they could never do. Cause like I am mentally ill too. And I think that that distorts how I see things. I know it does. I know it like affects the reality that I see um, a lot of times. So I mean, I'd be the best one for advice in that subject, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, like that's, I don't know. Like I, I can't see it that way. I never have been able to, and I never will be able to, even when I was playing. It's like, well, people would die to be in the NFL. And I'm like, well, they die for no reason. You know, like I, I think that there are bigger things in life. And maybe that's what it is. The fact that I think that there's much bigger things in life. Sorry, I was thinking, okay, so I, so Mark Twain, actually, he grew up like a town over from me at his house. I know you don't care about him as much as his award, but I, I don't <laughs> think they give it out here or I'd hear about it, right? If they were giving out the award, I hadn't heard of the award, probably oh. separate. It's, I'm, so. I'm sure it's probably 
I should know this, but I don't. I don't know. It's it's somewhere cool. <laughs> well, then it's definitely not Connecticut, close to yeah, where I am. If it's somewhere cool, definitely not near like the Mark Twain house. I promise you, <laughs> right? If it's somewhere cool. So, and again, because you don't do enough things already, you do um, something called Tech Lord of the Sith, oh, right? Yeah, the and you're, um, and so a couple things. So you've you've tied Star Wars into a lot of what you do, mm-hmm. right? Um, Eileen has never seen any Star Wars, by the way. Well, I think it's time to log out, Eileen. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go ahead and we'll see you next time. No. <laughs> I'm working on it. Kind of. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm giving you a hard time. Look, if you don't like Star Wars, that's not a problem at all. Like, I, I'm not. I don't know if I like it or not because I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, well, but you know, some people, like, if they don't, if you, they don't like, if you don't like what they're trying to tell you about all of a sudden, oh, we can't be friends. Why not? Because I don't like the. <laughs> I know. I'm just letting you know I'm very chill. So tell us, what is Tech Lord of the Sith? It's my tech review channel. And it's also going to be the launch uh, page of my comedy, my stand-up comedy too. I didn't want to get it uh, intertwined with the music. So I'm going to post it on the Tech Lord channel since I crack jokes in my videos anyway. But pretty much what it is, is I'm really into tech, specifically consumer tech. And you know how it is. You see the YouTube videos and you're like, oh man, what are, you know, what's this phone talking about? Do I want to get this phone? Do I want to get this laptop? I'm not trying to watch a 15 minute, you know, Snyder cut or longer of people talking about all the different things. Is it good or is it not? Should I buy it or should I not? Like, I don't have the attention span for that. So these are videos for people with short attention spans, people who don't have, you know, a lot of time on their hands, you know, people who don't, you know, want to wait 30 minutes to see if the new iPhone's worth buying. And that's, the, here's the deal. There is a place for that. But like, at least there needs to be somebody who's like, hey, before you go down this rabbit hole of an hour's worth of review footage, here's the, you know, the Wikipedia, you know, that first paragraph on Wikipedia, that's who I see myself as when it comes to tech. Have you ever seen um, Ice-T presents his Mac repair on YouTube? No. Okay, I'll send you the link. You should watch it. Please do. Spoiler alert, the MacBook does not get repaired by Ice-T. So I'll, I'll send you that. <laughs> <laughs> that shows how I just go, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize Ice-T was in the computers like that. <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> Still don't get sarcasm. So we're, yeah, actually, Eileen and I are very sarcastic. We like speak sarcasm. We're like the opposite, where if well, we assume each other's being sarcastic to us, <laughs> Like, so if we're being serious, we won't, we have to specify that it's the opposite. Right, right, Eileen? Yeah, it's kind of fun. Jeez, that doesn't sound fun at all. I'm having a terrible day mentally. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, like, (laughs) no, I'm serious. You're never serious. Anyway, you know, but yeah. (laughs) That is the problem with like, you know, sarcasm or humor. People do always assume like, oh, that's a joke. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, I'm going to ask you some uh, quick fire questions. Basically, you tell me the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay, are, are these one word answers? Uh, yeah. Okay. Or close to it, don't have to be. Or two. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, do you have a favorite quote? And if so, what is it and who said it? Um, favorite quote. So I can quote like a poem or something? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want. Uh, I won't quote the entire poem, but it's a, uh, I should know this author, the, the name of the, Robert Frost, the name of the poem is um, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, 
The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. Because that's how I feel about my life. Like, <laughs> I mean, when you the way I see the woods is like, you know, like him sitting down and dying. But, you know, him saying like, but I have promises to keep like, you know, you know, it's ambiguous. So it could be promises to yourself, to other people, you know, to God. I don't know. Um, and miles to go before I sleep. I've come so far, but I still have so far to go. So it kind of encapsulates like my entire existence at this point in time. Well, actually, it encapsulates my entire existence, period. I won't even say at this point in time. But uh, yeah, so that's that. Like it. Sorry, that was way more than one word. <laughs> Good. What a... What is your biggest inspiration when it comes to music, a band, a singer? Kanye West. Oh my God. Kanye West. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I would say Kanye West. Um, Marvin Gaye is very close, like, but Kanye West. What's your favorite alcoholic drink? Margarita. Actually, no, my favorite alcoholic drink is a tequila neat. You know why? It's low in calories. It gets you where you're trying to go. And you don't have to walk around with it the whole party. It's <laughs> a good reason. <laughs> what is your favorite portrayal of autism in the media? Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers. I mean, it's not, I don't even know if it's like confirmed that she's autistic, but I feel like she is. And I love her character so much. Another thing I've never seen. I guess I'll add it to my list. Yeah, <laughs> What was your dream job as a child or what did you want to be? I wanted to be <clears throat> wanted to design cars, whether it was interiors or exteriors, but I wanted to like work on cars. I wanted to I grew up in Detroit, which is uh, you know, home of the three big um the big three motor factories. Um so yeah, I wanted to design cars. What's your dream car? A Bentley. Luxury. No, I don't have a dream car. I just, car do you have now? Um, uh, an Audi Q8. But yeah, I, my dream car is a driver. Does that count? Does sure. that make sense? Like I would rather have a driver. <laughs> that is a you good know what car. I mean? yeah. yeah, that's a great car, right? Like yeah. a, a nice car with a driver. That's my dream. <laughs> that's like my that. dream car. Because then you can have those tequila neats, and you don't have to worry about driving <laughs> home. No. There you go. Yeah. private uber driver yeah <laughs> that's right the first time you got that answer what's your dream car a driver <laughs> yeah what part of the spectrum are you on i'm sorry <laughs> well i think that was all the questions we had for you thank you so much for joining today and being so honest it was refreshing uh, do, oh, are you on pleasure. social media mm -hmm. do you want to tell people where to find you um yeah you can i mean honestly you can just google like Joe Barksdale. Thankfully, there aren't many former football playing autistic comedian musician producers out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can really Google Joe Barksdale. It's uh, JBDALE72, JBDALE72 at Twitter. I mean, on Twitter and Instagram and Joe Barksdale on Facebook. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, honestly. Well, thank you guys yeah. for having me. This has been fantastic. I hope I um, <clears throat> wasn't too long winded. Oh, you were oh no, no, you you were perfect, seriously. And we tell you if you saw. Oh, okay. No, you're right. very autistic, so you yeah. know if you're not great. Yeah, oh, more autistic friends. That's been like the saving grace for my comedy and my music. What do you think about this? This is not that good, bro. I just I wouldn't. <laughs>
thank you for your honesty. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very useful to have autistic friends for this reason. For sure. Oh, by the way, I don't know how, why I forgot this. I do have an album coming out. I just released a single last week. There's another one coming out next month, and there's an album coming out the following month in August, at the end of August. Congrats. Yeah, if you want to send us a link uh, that we can include in uh, when oh. we go live. Yeah, well, we'll send you links and everything when it's live, but uh, thank you so much for... No problem. Thank you guys for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. Have, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.